Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best Star Wars prequel. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcast should have a theme song. Podcast should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. How? May the 4th be with you. I have no idea when we are dropping. Let's say that <laughs> it's again. It's not May 4th. It's April. How? <laughs> May the 4th yeah. be with you. It's April. Great. I don't know when we drop these. I don't know if we've released any of these episodes. I just told you it's April. Yeah, we actually have never released over <laughs> a single episode. Episodes. None of them have been heard by anybody. They're just all in the Disney vault that, you know, periodically <laughs> takes Cinderella out for a month and sells it. I guess now's the time to tell you I'm running the longest con in entertainment history. No. On you. This is how I find out. You've got a lot of people involved on Facebook. Mm-hmm. That's- Very jarring. Yeah, we all touch each other's uh, noses. Well, our own noses. It's That's a fair. pandemic. Well, You're the reason here. I said yes. may the fourth be with you Go ahead. is because it is once again time for a Star Wars centric episode of We Got This with Mark and Hal. And this time we've brought ammo. Yeah, we got the big guns here. We have Alex and Molly Damon from Star Wars Explained, who, in addition to knowing a ton about Star Wars, are very entertaining and are way better suited for this on-camera work than either of us are in the Zoom call. Thank you for having us. Welcome to both of you. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Excited to be here. This is a two-parter we're doing. This episode, we'll be discussing the prequels, episodes one, two, and three, and then we will return later on to separately discuss the sequel trilogy, which is seven, eight, and nine. I think we need to establish some ground rules because you, mm-hmm. well, first of all, I, I want to get into the story of Star Wars Explained and how each of you sort of have come to this deep dive into Star Wars that is both of your lives. Sure. You uh, it it kind of spawned because of a trivia contest at Dragon Con, which is a convention in Atlanta that we go to every year. And I would enter this trivia contest because I was like, I know a lot about Star Wars and I've always been kind of good at that trivia. And I would always do well, but not great. And so every year I'd kind of walk away from it and go, I should actually like study. And uh, I I had this idea for years to put my studying online. And uh, I kind of came up in video marketing. I worked at an online ad agency for a while. So I knew kind of what I was doing. And I was like, I should just like make short little videos about various Star Wars topics. And uh, finally, I started doing it. It still took me like seven years (laughs) to actually win the trivia, but that's kind of how it started. Wow. Yeah. And I I was pretty much just along for the ride for the first first little bit of that, (laughs) because I remember (laughs) the first time we did that trivia at Dragon Con, I was like, how do people know this? level of Mm -hmm. thing like like i don't (laughs) understand i didn't understand like how anyone could just know that much about star wars and look where i am now right (laughs) i know you have we were doing a grogu count in your background i think i got up to seven because you were gracious enough to move to the side and allow the camera to refocus on (laughs) just the pure amount of star wars culture that sits behind you uh, which is incredible yeah and your star wars journeys began as kids for both of you Definitely for me. I mean, I, I think everyone sees Star Wars as kids. Yeah. Uh, but that it was like my first big media obsession. Yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing episode one with my friends in the theater 
and being pretty psyched about it. And I had seen mm. the originals. Uh, I don't think they had as big of an impact on me as they did for you, Alex. I definitely enjoyed them, but I I didn't really get into the books or any like the the legends content. Um, but when the prequels came out, I was pretty stoked. <laughs> I also remember the excitement of the prequels coming out. I'm old enough that the first movie I ever saw in a theater was Empire Strikes Back. So every generation now, from people born probably in the mid to late 60s on, every generation of childhood has a Star Wars trilogy that is their own. So Mm. starting in 1999 with The Phantom Menace and going through 2005 with Revenge of the Sith, that is for people who are now full-fledged, can rent a van and get their own insurance, adults. (laughs) have their own trilogy that is the the one that they grew up with. And we're going to talk about that trilogy specifically. But because there is such a breadth of canon around it, both with uh, Clone Wars and I guess you could sort of count Rebels a little bit. Is that a little bit around? I'd count that closer to the original trilogy than the, the prequels. Great. So we have Clone Wars, which really worked to flesh out a lot of what was happening during those prequel films. But I I think... For the sake of this, that we should take those three movies on their own merits and Mm -hmm. maybe try to keep some blinders on around a lot of what has sprung up around it to help explain the things that have happened in the films. What what do you think of that? It's weird. Like, I I like what you say about (laughs) everyone having kind of their own trilogy. I've equated it to Bond before. Like, everyone views Star Wars as like, well, this is the Mm -hmm. Star Wars I grew up with. Mm -hmm. But I also feel really fortunate because... I was getting into it like 94, 95. That's when I was introduced. And then two years mm-hmm. after that, the special editions came out. And then two years after that was the first prequel. And to me, I while I think the original trilogy was my introduction, the prequels never felt jarring to me. I was just like, yes, this is more Star Wars. It, I didn't have any of that. Like, this is nothing like the originals. It was just more for me. So. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, we were 12 when episode one came mm-hmm. out. And so we yeah. were just like right at that target audience where we came out of the theaters <laughs> and we were like just blown away by what we just saw. And all the adults <laughs> around us are like, I, I remember mm. reading reviews. That, that was like the first you know, movie I, I read reviews for just because I was yeah. excited. Mm-hmm. And I came out of it like, why do people right. not like this? This is dumb. Like that was that was <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> well first of all i misspoke earlier i'm definitely exactly as young as both of you i also yeah that was i was i I was 12 when it came out too yeah i was totally 12 when phantom menace Mm -hmm. came out i'm definitely not much older than that certainly not (laughs) 10 years older than that but yeah i was definitely one of those people who was very excited for phantom menace maybe we should just break it down one film at a time and this was the most ballyhooed of all of them There was talk when Return of the Jedi came out. There were a lot of rumors around the time that George Lucas had another trilogy ready to go, but it was a sequel trilogy. And so that was kind of the holy grail that we were hoping for for a long time. And then they announced the prequels. I remember where I was. I was in my apartment in college when the first TV ad dropped for Phantom Menace, and I made time to be there to watch it. I stood in a long line to go into the theater. We were there opening night. And for me, because I was an original trilogy kid, it I... It felt so starkly different. And Mm -hmm. part of how I felt about George Lucas is I love him as an innovator of filmmaking. And I think in terms of creative concepts, there are a few people who rival him. But when he writes and directs himself, I think he needs there's a check and balance that's missing there when he doesn't Mm -hmm. have people like there are other people who can execute his ideas. 
even better than him creatively. I would too, yeah, but I, I also think that. that he was just trying to do something completely different with the prequels. Like, I think he had no interest in like hmm. writing and telling the same thing. And he was like, I'm going to, I'm going to go way different yeah. with how everyone is expecting it. And, you know, to mixed results. It seems like he went more into the, uh, delved deeper into that Joseph Campbell playbook of like, okay, what other like huge classical storytelling tropes are there? And you've got the natives of Naboo, Jar Jar's people. So you have the, the natives battling against the big invading army that's more powerful and more technologically advanced. You have the queen pretending she's a commoner. You have all of these sort of like classic uh th- win your freedom via <laughs> a gladiator athletic kind of thing. It all just seems like he reveled in taking classic scenes and setting them in this way slicker world. I know how you mentioned like he's such an innovator cinematically and these movies are so, so on the cutting edge of whatever the technology is of the day that it was by nature going to look dramatically different than anything that had come before because they didn't have to do matte paintings. You know what I mean? Like Naboo could look like a weird alien version of Venice. Mm-hmm. But let's dive a little bit into what sort of criteria do we want to look at for judging these three movies? I know we're jumping right into episode one, but what things are we looking at? Are we looking at their importance to the canon as far as like the big massive moves like introducing the clone army in the second one? Are we talking about just pure filmmaking what do you think is the most important thing to determine which of these three is i the usually best? judge a movie just based on how it makes me feel <laughs> i like yeah. that yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a big thing just the impact which is the most subjective thing but also important the four of us yeah. the decisions we make are ones that everybody will have to abide by <laughs> binding so for all the time four of us feel is <laughs> now the most important thing ever mm-hmm. about all of these films i think also we can talk about the iconic moments in each mm-hmm. of these movies because they all have them and I think that weighs in as well and maybe just how we feel about the overall execution in any trilogy there are going to be films that are just better executed even if the ideas are bigger they may have even a general collection of characters that is better than another film in the trilogy but the overall execution isn't there I think that yeah. sort of factors in as well and for me like the whole prequel trilogy is all about Anakin and his journey mm-hmm. yeah so that mixed with just pure entertainment value, like the pod racing stuff just like blew my mind as a kid. And to this day, I love it so much. And I love that, like we were talking about the technology, like, yes, there's a lot of CGI stuff in the prequels, but the fact that they made all those like miniatures to do that pod racing scene it, yeah. was, was just, that all miniatures? Yeah, people a lot of it was, the yeah. No for, kidding. Uh, mm-hmm. All the CGI, but episode one specifically had a ton of miniatures. Yeah. And you go back and watch it and there's some little things like I, I mentioned this when we were rewatching it recently. I think it's Odie Mandrell's pod racer when he, when one of his little pit droids gets sucked into the engine. Mm-hmm. That specific moment, you can really tell that that is a miniature, like actual physical thing, just the way that it moves. And when you go back and watch it and think about how much work they put into that, it's, it's mind blowing. You mentioned the, the pod race. I think it's rare that age comes up on this show, but it kind of is a thing that you guys were both kids. You were 12 when this movie came out. So seeing a kid 
in that pod race too, as opposed to one of the adult heroes in the thing. It's no, here is a kid who gets to race aliens and droids around a planet in space. Like, <laughs> of course, that's one of those kid moments that just would stand out. Yeah. Not just a kid too. Is it, yeah, doesn't he human say human like do it. no other human, you know? Yeah. 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 hundred <laughs> percent. I think it's, that's such a well done scene. And at mm-hmm. the time it didn't have as much of an impact on me. And that's because I had maybe six months earlier seen Ben-Hur for the first time. And the chariot, mm-hmm. the chariot race from Ben-Hur is the inspiration for the pod race in, in Phantom Menace, or at least it borrows heavily from it. And because mm-hmm. I had seen that original inspiration, it was hard for me to separate the two, but mm-hmm. it is really well done. And it's a good way to demonstrate what is special about him without having him all of a sudden be able to use the force in any kind of significant way where he's manipulating things. But just his ability, his reactions and his reflexes are mm-hmm. enhanced because he's the chosen one. Of course, why wouldn't he be that good at this? And that's a really good way to show it from a plot device uh, yeah. perspective. What did you guys think about midichlorians when that came up in this film? <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes I don't want to know how the sausage is made. Yeah. And that's never It feels like it quantifies what should be the unquantifiable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you are more Jedi. Yeah. And all the other Jedi will be because your blood contains more of these midichlorians. Yeah. I, it felt like a lot of the prequels, specifically Phantom Menace, was setting up like, here's what the government structure was like that mm-hmm. led to, like, basically, here's how Hitler came to power. That is the main thrust is here's how an evil dictator mm-hmm. rises to power and this government struggle is going on. And here's what the Galactic Senate looks like. And is it yeah. Phantom Menace where there are ETs in the Senate? <laughs> Oh, that's so a great yeah. little piece there that they're part of. I like to think that ET is like descended from those senators and <laughs> just lets everybody know about it. And that's why they left him behind. They're like, let's tell, I'm sure his name is also ET on his planet mm-hmm. somehow. They're like, let's take him to this planet and tell him that we're collecting <laughs> twigs and then we'll leave him there. <laughs> He's going to need about, a bicycle to get us. I, if I hear about his great grandfather one more time. <laughs> yes, I get it. He was there. Yes, he met Palpatine and shook his hand. I've seen the picture. Let's just leave him. <laughs> I will say about while we're on Palpatine, Palpatine in this movie, people make fun of the dialogue in the first three movies and like, geez, especially in the second one. But wow, George Lucas has some trouble writing dialogue that sounds human. I don't know his name. The actor that plays Palpatine. Ian McDermott. Mm-hmm. Ian, what's his name? Ian McDermott. Ian McDermott is the perfect person to be speaking George Lucas's dialogue because he chews scenery on absolutely every single moment. So you can give him the most mundane lines in the world and yeah. he will make a and meal out of it as if he's at the Globe Theater. In. Like, yeah, you're just like they're talking about governmental stuff and you're yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's so fun. <laughs> yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, give me more government talk, please. But just out of this guy's mouth. For the people who are detractors of Phantom Menace, where there are a lot, I'm not the hugest fan of it. It's not my favorite mm-hmm. of these three movies. And I don't think it is the best either. Because sometimes I, I work hard on separating what is my favorite versus what is maybe a little bit more objectively the best. But there is mm-hmm. a great moment in this movie that one of my best friends, Jesse, pointed out right after we saw it, which is during the lightsaber fight, which is a very good lightsaber fight. Duel of the Fates is a really great piece of orchestration by John Williams and and a big deal that John Williams is the connective tissue. He's really the connective Mm -hmm. tissue of the entire main film canon 
This is the Qui-Gon and Maul fight? Qui-Gon and Maul and Obi-Wan is yeah. when they are caught between the barriers that are constantly shifting and they mm-hmm. can't fight. You have Darth Maul stalking around like an animal while Qui-Gon goes into a meditative pose, which is a really great illustration of the difference between the Jedi and Sith and the flip sides of the coin that they are. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a small thing. I'm sure many people have noticed it, but it also feels like a small detail that from a storytelling perspective is really, really well done. So I just wanted to mm-hmm. shout that out. It would feel weird for me not to talk about it. Yeah, and it, it definitely kind of shows you how that moment really shaped Obi-Wan going forward mm-hmm. um, and how he kind of came to be the Obi-Wan I, I that we see in the, the original illustration trilogy. Of, yeah, the way it shows the difference between the dark and the light side, where the dark side just, they can't rest. Like, they're always just angry mm-hmm. and pacing around and looking for something to unleash their hatred on. Right, like, mm. their whole thing is like momentum of anger and just, yeah, they stop that momentum, <laughs> then the light side might creep in. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about the other side of that, the stalking Sith, which is Ray Park's Darth Maul. Mm-hmm. He was on the trailer. He was the cherry on top and maybe the entire Sunday because mm-hmm. when you see I, him ignite the I double saber, wish, and you go, who is yeah, that? Oh, yeah. I kind of wish that they was the hadn't action put you couldn't get. the double-bladed lightsaber in the trailer just because I would have lost my mm-hmm. mind. I mean, I still did, but <laughs> the, the idea that like, oh my God, it yeah. does have two. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> it looks like it should have had two and it did (laughs) do you think and i know he's gotten more spoiler for everybody he's not dead after the events of phantom menace Uh he was the og sith who falls down into a pit and then surprise he's back spider version you'd think at some point the emperor would have been like we should have no pits yeah (laughs) anywhere like i I know you're making a throne room for me on the new death star we have zero pits because i remember what happened to darth maul and just that's bad news and the Jedi should know it, too. If a Jedi's about to toss Find a Sith into a pit, it's like, no, 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 man. Like, six years from now, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to, I want you, <laughs> you better cut him into pieces before you throw him in that pit. <laughs> yeah, they gave Vader a funeral pyre. They should be burning all of the other Sith <laughs> as well. It's, you know, yes, it's an honor, but also, yeah. can we make sure this guy's dead? Because they don't seem to be just disappearing into nothing like we do. Yeah. Do you think that Darth Maul was in some ways maybe a disappointment because you expected him to be a bigger part of that film than I, ultimately? I guess I do remember having those feelings of like, oh man, he's dead. Because yeah, you just kind of assume he would be the Darth Vader of the trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, yeah. no, I, just, I yeah. still love him. It, it was kind of that less is more thing well there's also not much outwardly there's not much dark side in this first movie it's because it's just them fighting against the trade federation the whole time yeah like that's the bad guy maul just periodically pops in as like a hey there's gonna be more of these movies and the dark side is gonna be a thing right because he just kind of shows up like the winter soldier and messes stuff up at the end of the battle a couple of times yeah he barely has any lines in the movie Mm -hmm. so i guess for me, yeah, when when he ultimately dies, I was just like, oh, okay. I mean, well, yeah, I'm sure there'll be the another one like of him. The prequel trilogy, <laughs> where like, yeah, he just looks awesome. He doesn't say much, and then maybe yeah. instead, like George probably knew, I'm not going to do a whole lot with this character, so I'm just going to kill him now, so that when he <laughs> people got so attached mm-hmm. to Boba Fett after Empire, and then he dies unceremoniously, and everyone's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> the documentary on the initial special edition DVD release about the making of this movie is one of the most fascinating. Number one, just to show how they pulled it off because it was such a huge production. <laughs> 
I was so hoping that you're after watching your YouTube channel I'll, for a I'll while. I was so hoping I would get to see your dog. Oh, Thank you. he's so cute. Oh, yeah, gotta see the dog. I saw him blurry in the background before. Yeah, we we have to like really try and tucker him out before mm-hmm. we record anything. Sure. Oh, that's a smart move. <laughs> yeah, I watched some of the live stream when you started building the Millennium Falcon. You're like, oh, he already got what was inside the Kong. Like immediately <laughs> got it. I think he's okay. Yeah. And then was part of it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to say the documentary, not only is it a really good look at the making of the film and how they were able to pull off something that was made in such a grand scale and using a lot of new technology, but there is a little bit of hearts of darkness around it where you see them looking at cuts like in the edit band going, this isn't really working or we mm-hmm. made a mistake here. And one of the big mistakes, and this is not on the actor at all, but Jake Lloyd who was cast as Anakin, mm-hmm. I think I think the, the big actor that was passed up was Haley Joel Osment, right? Who also mm-hmm. auditioned for that and wasn't cast. Do you think that his performance, which was, I mean, he's a kid actor. He was doing what he did as well as he could. Mm-hmm. But that it didn't, it never quite, what he did didn't quite fit into what they were trying to do with the movie. And that, that always is a big, it's just creates sort of I like I don't know that it would have mattered. I think a lot of people were just not expecting Anakin to be mm-hmm. a kid in the first movie and like even George has talked right. about how he's writing the script and all of his advisors are like he should be older like he'll be more relatable we should make him a teenager and George is like that's not the story which I, I love that about him where he's just like mm-hmm. nope like yeah, people yeah. were going into the prequel trilogy thinking <laughs> like oh awesome we're gonna get to see Darth Vader hunting down the Jedi like Obi-Wan talked about and Lucas is like, no, that's not the story I want to tell. Like, he had a very thematic vision. Mm -hmm. But if you watch The Phantom Menace, like, I just don't think it would have mattered who was cast as Anakin. George is very much like a one and done kind of what you get one try. And we're going to move on to the next thing. Yeah. (laughs) He's he's very very fast. Like like a soap opera. I'm just like, yeah, you could have done another take of that. But but they leave it in like uh, everyone jokes about... (laughs) Like uh, George is like, nope, that was Wald, gold. They they have that moment where they can't get a high five, and not only it's like, no, we're not going to do another take of that. It's like we're going to leave that in the movie too. Yeah. Great job, kid. <laughs> just, okay, I, I think Perfect. George just is a very fast director, and uh, he's like, if you hit the line, if you're telling the story I want to tell, yeah. like we're moving on. Someone yeah. recently, uh, I think it was one of our Q and A's, asked us if we would have rather have had a Clone Wars esque. TV series, but showing us what was going on between episodes one and two. Mm. So, like mm-hmm. you were saying, maybe Anakin being a little bit older, which I thought the was really years. interesting. Yeah, because I mean, we do get that huge time jump of like, boom, ten years later, mm-hmm. Anakin is now someone. I guess we can yeah, write I, a little bit. I, I think George wanted to show too, that, but, like, it, this is something that comes up in the Clone Wars as well because it has those little mottos or themes at the start where it's like, yeah, hatred. Anger, like all of these negative things that drive Anakin to become Darth Vader, they're not from birth. Like you have to be taught. It has to be instilled in you. And Mm -hmm. when we see him as a kid, he knows nothing of greed. Like he gives with no thought of reward. Those are how he's described. He's a good, good person. But we see how him losing his mom, his fear of loss, like that's what drives a good person to be bad. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's interesting to not have that start Mm -hmm. with the fact that he's enslaved, that he's lived under oppression. Mm -hmm. And, you know, presumably his life under Watto is not a good one. 
at all. Yeah. So, but Watto's so lovable, so, like Danny DeVito in Taxi. I don't think I've ever heard anyone describe Watto you know, as lovable until right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeez. It's, Jeez, it's Mark. Like, <laughs> I guess. I guess you could say. I mean. I mean. He doesn't know anything of a better life. He says he's been there since he was three. He thinks, and mm-hmm. he knows that. You know, they were sold from Gardula of the Hut. So yeah, they went from the huts to now Watto, and this is all he's ever known. And he does say, like, he doesn't even think that he'd be doing what he is doing if he wasn't good at building and fixing things. So, like, that tells me that maybe just the little kid, the curiosity in him, and the ability to tinker and build things it's uh well, he's, he's not i think it's just trying to show you know, yeah he's <laughs> a slave and he's still a good person like it wasn't the yeah. you know yeah. slavery that drove him to the dark side it was like this ultimate fear which that's george has talked about how fear is kind of the root of the dark side you fear you're going to lose something and then you get angry at the people that potentially right. might take that away from you and then you start to hate them and it's just like, that's the cycle he wanted to show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Plus for, for kids, uh, I mean, you could argue who these movies are made for, blah, blah, blah. But like, it would be a lot more difficult to get kids who were our age when we saw it to understand that, oh, slavery is the reason why Anakin grew up and, and became... I agree with what you're and, saying, but it's right. also like, yeah, for kids, there is still a lot of heavy government talk, <laughs> which like now as an adult, I'm like, sure, oh, yeah. I get this. Like, I absolutely get what you're going for. But as a kid, I was just like, hmm, this is when I go to the bathroom, I guess. <laughs> More pod race, please. <laughs> Even the opening scroll feels like a C-SPAN, like what appears on the screen before the house goes to a vote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Trade Federation <laughs> is currently in negotiations with the Galactic <laughs> Republic. Tune in at 459. See oh E.T.'s great-grandfather argue about <laughs> tariffs on spice trade. That's coming up next on well, these wars. While we are on the subject of ridiculously convoluted plots, should we move on sure. to Attack of the Clones? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Say how you feel, Mark. <laughs> Jumping from the classical storytelling of episode one to the espionage detective noir insanity of episode two. My first question to both of you is how do you feel about, about who? sand? Oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> sand? Sand. You hate it because it gets everywhere? Do you love it? Because it, it I absolutely yourself? agree with Anakin. It, I, it's yeah, worse. It's, worst it's irritating. Part being, worst part about being mm-hmm. in everywhere. Beach. Yeah. <laughs> love the beach, but. <laughs> sand, sand is terrible. Like the desert, it takes everything from you. Well, yeah, it oh. sure does. <laughs> this, this movie feels like two movies to me. It feels like one really fun, cool movie, and one really terrible. I will say love it story is story movie. It is my least favorite oh, Star the Wars love movie. story. I have come to appreciate it for the it is that I like in it. But it, it's the one where when we're doing a rewatch, I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, it's tough. The last time we rewatched it, I remember it, it, we finished it and I was like, <laughs> you know, the music's really Across great. The stars in this film. is a banger. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> it's a banger. <laughs> the music does slap and the film kind of collapses under its own weight. Yeah. Several times. Well, it's every time it's the two of them. It's like, oh, cool. Obi-Wan's fighting Jango Fett. And it's like, and he finds out this huge, massive secret of, oh, okay. Well, nope. We're back to, uh, 
We're back to floating apples at each other. Okay. <laughs> We're back to just the constant way that Padme is uncomfortable around him. And he's mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. pushing her more and more and more. And she's like, chill out, chill out, dude. Yeah. Come on, like, <sighs> ease up. <laughs> yeah. It's not like the healthiest modeling of what romance or two people getting into a relationship is like or (laughs) should be like. It's just one scooching closer to the other until she says yes. And this is something Mm -hmm. that I can see in all three prequel movies. I think just his, uh, I'm trying to think of a better analogy than his eyes are bigger than his stomach. But I I think he wants to do so much and Mm -hmm. he only has like a two hour runtime to do it. So he just has all of these ideas. And I think that's part of the reason the clone wars became a thing is because he just couldn't fit Mm -hmm. everything he really wanted into these movies. Like there was supposed to be a whole Boba Fett revenge subplot in revenge of the Sith. And there was just no time. Mm -hmm. So they did it in the clone wars. Yeah. That's, that's sort of the super exciting moment about this movie to me is like it feels like a big reveal like oh there's the the world just kind of broke wide open now it's droids versus clones and there's this and there there's so much the the world gets so bigger you know i should say into that that movie i was what 15 when this one came out still walked out of it like hell yeah Mm -hmm. i just saw more star wars like (laughs) i was still all in Yeah, and sure. Dooku's a fun bad guy. I think this movie has better villains than the first one does. Oh Chris yeah, Lee is great. Christopher Lee is so cool as yeah. Dooku. He he <laughs> calls the lightsaber swords. I'm yeah. like, man, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. And, yeah. and also, you get Yoda using a lightsaber yeah. for mm-hmm. the first time. And oh man, yeah, that is so mm-hmm. exciting. And I remember going to, and I was at that point, I was a lot more guarded going into Episode Two than I was Episode One, where I was just like. More Star Wars. I've been waiting for 16 years for this movie, and it definitely will be able to live up to all the expectations I built in that time. Any movie would that they made. <laughs> so by time, and you know, I felt how I felt about Phantom Menace and then came into mm-hmm. Attack of the Clones a little more guarded. But that moment is one of the big applause moments I remember of any movie I've seen. Is when him. Yoda fights at the end of, I mean, clapping during it, but at the very end when he finishes. Like yeah. that is, yeah, that is a huge applause moment, and it was really well done and mm-hmm. crazy to see, to see how powerful he was because you only really knew him as a puppet. He was even a puppet For in mo- uh, yeah, Phantom Menace. They, well, they changed bit, it right later he releases, but he was a puppet the whole time in Phantom Menace. Right? Yeah, it's funny because like earlier in the movie when they're chasing Zam Wessel, Obi Wan has that line about like you could rival Master Yoda as a swordsman. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, hmm. I wonder what that would look like. Yeah, right. And later in the film, he comes just like hobbling in with his cane <laughs> and then he just goes off. And that's, and that's, you mentioned that like the, I wonder what that would look like of it. I think they did such a great job of, yeah, he's going to use the size to an advantage. He's going to flit around you and it's just going to be a little whirling lightsaber all over you that you can't handle. Yeah. And it's consistent throughout. And then once we got to see the one, we got to see the other one inside the Galactic Senate with the like that. This was the first Yoda fight. It wasn't the best Yoda fight, I don't think. But it's an iconic one. I think it's the same moment as Darth Maul having the double lightsaber. And we talked about one of the things we want to focus on being the feeling that you get. This is one of those moments definitely in the win column for Attack of the Clones. The much anticipated, well-executed 
Yoda fights for the first time. That's the big takeaway, I think, from this one. The entirety of the Battle of Geonosis is a big, like, in the wind column for me because, yeah, we got to see Mm kind of like two Jedi fighting one Sith in their prime. It was like so different, so fast compared Mm -hmm. to the original trilogy. But you still like want to see, you know, a bunch of Jedi working together. And like when they're all igniting their lightsabers and you're like, oh my God, they're literally fighting in a Coliseum. Like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. The ending of that movie is fantastic. Yeah. Yoda (laughs) coming in on a helicopter Uh, like Apocalypse Now. (laughs) (laughs) There, that. that idea of of all those lightsabers and all those people charging at once that was one mm. of the things that i'd want like oh that's what i want to see what mm-hmm. what was it like at the height of the jedi i'm sorry molly i cut you off what were you gonna say no it's fine uh i was just thinking more about yoda and how awesome he is in this film just that that moment where he absorbs the force lightning that was another just like mind-blowing moment mm-hmm. of like hold on now like you can do that because <laughs> we saw the force lightning and what it did to Luke and Vader in Return of the Jedi and then we see Yoda do this and everybody's like what? <laughs> it's funny the the biggest show of power you got from him before that fight was him lifting the X-Wing out of the swamp mm-hmm. on Dagobah mm-hmm. and it, a lot of that is just the judge me by my size to you like that he's small but that is a an incredible show of the force now you get to see him in full on Jedi master mode which was I don't think I'd ever even thought about that I'd never even thought about, well, he must have had a lightsaber and fought with it. He had to. He was a Jedi. That's the weapon. Why doesn't he have it anymore? And you even get, that gets explained a lot more. There are pieces as we get further away from episode one and closer to episode three, where we start to see some of the things that will shape that originally released trilogy, Mm -hmm. which is really good and sort of what I wanted as a fan in seeing it. I want something that will not only enhance what I've seen, but also explain it more and maybe flesh out characters that I didn't know as well. And it does that with Obi-Wan. Ewan McGregor is so good in all three of these movies, and his character has a much more subtle arc, but Mm -hmm. he's just, he nails, you could imagine him aging into Sir Alec Guinness, that that's where he's I love that even people who are like, I hate the prequels, are are still so psyched for the Obi-Wan show. (laughs) Like, everyone agrees. Ewan McGregor is Obi-Wan, yes. Yeah. 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 He's amazing. But I think we agree that in these three movies that this one is not the best. No. I, I, mean, I wanna, do want to give it one more shout out. Go ahead. For, shout it out. For a, 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 a positive thing. Please. I'm a big fan of the settings mm. in this movie. I think the Blade Runner-esque city at the beginning is cool. And I think the villain layer at the end is amazing where Dooku is meeting with the trade federation and that whole thing happens like that set to me is just cool. Like the moods that the different locations play in this movie, I think yeah. are really effective. Oh yeah, definitely. Coruscant is just such a cool place. I wish we mm-hmm. could have gotten a chance to explore just that planet as a whole. Camino yeah. is really cool. You're like, Oh, this <laughs> entire planet is like a thunderstorm and it's yeah. got these crazy looking aliens where they're creating this army of clones yeah the places are very cool in this film <laughs> but it's not, i'll, I'll it's say not the something that the attack of the clones yeah, had before. to help me adjust yeah. as a fan was i i at this point had been reading the books mm. for a long time and there was a already a setup origin story for boba fett and so this was something where george lucas was like that's not my story he lets people write in star wars and play in his sandbox but when he wants to tell his story he's going to tell it his way and so, but I remember being like, 
the Boba Fett thing that I read and have believed as his history for so long is that's just not true anymore. And so that's just something that that was the first of many things where I had to get used to, you know, there are kind of two separate continuities and then authors would kind of try to retcon things and make it work after the fact but it was always george changing him right first i also remember this being the first movie where i was like reading online i had access to the internet and i remember getting into some rumors Mm -hmm. and none of it none of it was true Uh, yeah of course course. (laughs) ah the factual accuracy of the star wars message boards in the early 2000s This is a retconning of Boba Fett by George Lucas. I mean, Mm -hmm. you rightly point out it's his character. He can do whatever he wants with him, including changing him into a New Zealander who will later be played by Tamura Morrison, both in redubbing his voice in the original movies, which drove me nuts because I liked the voice that they had, but also now in The Mandalorian, where he was fantastic. And I like Mm -hmm. him as an actor. I think he's great. The Django Fett stuff was interesting. The idea that Boba Fett is the clone that he got to keep was pretty cool. But I, also it just, I had, I was so tired. He was the Darth Maul when I was a kid of like, you got to see him and go, who is that? I didn't really mm-hmm. get to see him very much, but he seems like the coolest character. The guy has less than, I think, 10 minutes of screen time in both movies that he's in initially. But he's the one everybody remembers because the character design is so cool. And also the way mm-hmm. he appears on film and behaves is so etched into my brain that it's still a difficult adjustment, but I've gotten better at it over time of shifting my expectation of what I'm going to hear when that character speaks. Yeah. <laughs> you find out he's a ladies man in Return of the Jedi. Like, he gets cooler. <laughs> <laughs> he always buys the drinks. He always buys the drinks. We're going to take a break right now. Is what mm-hmm. we're going to do. When we come back, we're going to discuss 2005's Revenge of the Sith and determine once and for all, should these Star Trek prequels <laughs> start? What Trek show now? am I on? Which of these Star Wars wow. prequels? <laughs> wow, Hal. Yeah, we're going to talk about the do Klingons when we come back. embarrass me in front of our guests. <laughs> Too late. We'll be back. In 2021, it's finally okay to talk about our mental health. And that's why we're excited to be sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions. They'll match you with a therapist in under 48 hours, and it's easy to change therapists if needed. Remember, you don't need a traumatic event to benefit from therapy. Maybe you're feeling anxious or depressed, or your stress feels like it's too much to manage. Get some tools to cope and just make life a little bit easier. I've benefited from therapy all throughout my life, and I can't say enough about how important it is, especially after the past year we've had. It's worth trying. Plus, BetterHelp is way more affordable than in-person therapy. So see if it's for you. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and we got this listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash we got this. That's betterhelp.com slash we got this. Mr. Man, what are you doing? I'm just taking... One last look at my co-workers. Every journey comes to an end. Remember, Black, the space will be with you, always. Sorry, who are you again? Master Kiarondo. Oh, right, right, right. Sorry. Just calling in. <laughs> Friendships will be tested. Doll, you have to do it. You have to shoot Black. Okay. Well, you shot him so fast. Destinies will be fulfilled. I've become a complete bird. I'm flying. I'm flying. 
on April 28th, the saga starts concluding. Guys, we don't have a choice. We have to put on a show. We can do it in the old barn. We've got the costumes. We've got a stage. We can do it, you guys. Mission to Zix. The final season on Maximum Fun. Max Fun Drive's almost here. It starts on Monday, May 3rd, ends on May 14th, and it's the best time to support the shows you love. Here are some folks like you sharing what Max Fun and our shows mean to them. Most importantly, it's meant community. And uh, yeah, just thanks for hanging out, making joke em ups, and making my week a little bit brighter. So, thanks, Max Fun, for making me a better person and making sure that I'm. Surrounded by better people. Thanks again for all you do. Love supporting Max Fun and、uh, keep it up. Come back Monday, May 3rd for more details from your favorite hosts. We'll have some of the best episodes of the year, special Max Fun Drive thank you gifts, and maybe a few surprises. That's Monday, May 3rd. Until then. Well, I hope you all lived long and prospered during that break. <laughs> 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 in 2005, a little movie called Revenge of the Sith was released、mm-hmm. and covered a lot of ground. This movie covers a ton of ground. It、mm-hmm. felt like to me this could have been maybe episodes two and three spread out, and then episode two maybe is episode one. I know that's not a new idea, but that was always what I imagined something like this to be. That being said, I think this movie has a lot of good stuff in it. Just overall, how do both、like、of、it. you feel about this movie? I think I, <laughs> I like it. Yeah, yeah. Don't hold back. I think this is by far the best acting that Hayden Christensen gets to do、mm-hmm. between two and three. And the stuff with him and Palpatine, I wish we got to see more of it. We do see a little more of it in the Clone Wars of like how their relationship. Slowly got built. We very quickly see like how close they are in Episode Three, but it's、uh, the same yeah, kind of、Hayden、thing. Where yeah, there's just so much that George wanted to do, and I wish we got to see more of, especially their friendship, because we hear it even in Attack of the Clones. I think Obi Wan says something about your friend Palpatine, and it's like, well, we should see that mentorship. We hear that. Palpatine、mm-hmm. mentors Anakin.、Mm-hmm. We get a taste of it in Revenge of the Sith, but like that feels really important to have that person, yeah, just kind of slowly pulling Anakin over to his side. Even in the Clone Wars, I feel like they could have done a little bit more. Yeah, it happens very quickly. Like towards the beginning of the movie, we see him just straight up cut Dooku's head off. Like、yeah. that's yes, that happens very quickly,、uh, and he's like, and he's like,、oh, I shouldn't do this. Well, you're gonna say do、Palpatine's、it. He's like, do it. it.、Right、he's like,、oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I can't do it as well as you can. That's <laughs>、oh, so good. <laughs> yeah, he's also at this point, Anakin has murdered an、yeah. entire、uh, group of yeah the- Tuscan Raiders. He killed all、yes. of them. Now that that one's maybe a little bit more, we could be a little bit more sympathetic to because. They killed his mother, or allowed、mm-hmm. his mother to die, and tortured her. And but also at this point, he's already he's already basically a Sith. Like we've、mm-hmm. already seen him. He's already dabbled heavily in the dark side before he hears the story of Darth Plagueis the Wise.、Mm-hmm. All, all of that <laughs> stuff that preys on his fear. So、mm-hmm. he at this point he's not. I, I mean, there are very few times for me where I feel like Anakin is 
sympathetic because mm-hmm. he's so dark. And I think Hayden Christensen does really well in the role. A lot of this is what happens when you have a director who only says faster off camera yeah. after you've done a take. Um, it's breaking bad without sure. the elegance of eight, <laughs> which seasons. again, that's something that the Clone Wars yeah. really feels like <laughs> it, it does well is seeing Anakin doing things that yeah. you're like, Oh, I'm not sure about that. But in this case, it is helpful, but also like the timing of the Clone Wars was weird. Cause when I watched Clone Wars episodes, I always see Anakin and it's like, huh, come on, Padawan. And I'm like, you're going to be Darth Vader, man. <laughs> I already know this. Stop making man, me I, like I remember, you in a car. I mean, just a year ago. So when season seven came out, people were really expecting to see Anakin mm-hmm. like kind of the last step right before Revenge of the Sith. But he wasn't. He was very heroic. He was still like right. Anakin. And I think that was the point is that, you know, it doesn't take a whole lot. <laughs> if you're afraid of losing something, someone can get you yeah. to fall pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he is a hero. He was a hero. That's how he's remembered. That's how Obi-Wan remembers the Anakin portion of him when he tells his son. He was an mm-hmm. incredible pilot and a hero and a great friend. And you don't really see that. You see him disobey and ignore most of the things that are told to him. And he's constantly fighting and arguing with everybody. And it, part of the issue from a character perspective is it doesn't feel earned because I haven't seen him do a lot of good stuff that would make the Jedi go, we really trust you. You're one of our top guys. Yeah. Outside of we measured your midi-chlorians when you were a kid and they were really high. And mm-hmm. now we've committed to training you because Qui-Gon died and he made Obi-Wan promise. And yeah. when there's a pinky swear, we respect that here. Right, he is Donald? really effective in yeah. battle, though. Uh, he is. He's very he's good. He's a it, hell of a good fighter. I feel like I never see him as a full-on hero. I see him as the mm-hmm. impetuous, like, he's like Riggs, but without a lot of the stuff that Riggs does that makes you feel like, all right, but he is kind of a good guy, <laughs> which is very yeah. weird to bring up when talking about a character Mel Gibson played. Sure. <laughs> especially during Pesach, but... Happy Passover. Thank you. That said, his turn to become Darth Vader does I think, carry yeah, a lot of weight. That George had like all of his moments of like the path down to darkness. I think he had those major beats mapped out, and that was the movies. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we just didn't get to see enough mm-hmm. where he is just a straight hero. I think the start of Revenge of the Sith is the best illustration we get of it in the films, where it's yeah, Anakin, Obi Wan working together, the rescue. You yeah. see him wanting to help his clones that's where we get to see him really shine as a jedi i think well this is about this descent i mean inarguably all three movies are about this kid anakin whose shadow in the original poster is darth vader and that kid becoming that character so as far as iconic moments you've got a 40 minute iconic moment at the end of this movie it's the moment that all three of these movies up to this point have been the drum roll for Mm. is him becoming Darth Vader and that helmet going on to him for the first time and you hearing that sound at the end of the movie. That's, we. I mean, we talk about, you know, the thing we're going to weigh this on being moments. That feels like the moment of the trilogy is that. And as much opera as they tried to, you know, squeeze into this last movie, because it is this giant epic story (laughs) and even literal opera when he's sitting with Palpatine at the, weird floating orb opera mm-hmm. side note i do love seeing all the different versions of entertainment that characters in the star wars world have from pod racing to the high class <laughs> people go to the orb para 
uh, or whatever <laughs> to, they call it. To Chewie's father watching Diane Carroll for what we can only assume are very personal yeah, things in the living room doing in front of his grandchild. Good life day to you all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just I'm just gonna, we're just gonna let Grandpa relax in the living room, throw on an Oculus, and if the rope oh falls open, we don't say anything. <laughs> You now go in his- the corner and watch your weird little moment shots dancers on your hologram deck. While you're at it, go outside and walk around <laughs> on the railing on this gigantic tree. And if you fall off, you will definitely die. We're fine with it. I love that we've decided early on that it's not going to be Clone Wars or Rebels, but Star Wars Holiday Special <laughs> is definitely canon as far as this conversation goes. Well, when it comes to entertainment, you can't get any better. Right. <laughs> but nobody does you know what I love than, about than the, the holiday special and the people sure. and like literally anything Star Wars is that whenever it comes out, mm-hmm. some people are always going to rail against it. But then when the Mandalorian brings back stuff from the holiday special, mm-hmm. people lose their minds with excitement. Like when Boba Fett's like pulse rifle came back, <laughs> oh everyone goodness. was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, it's a thing. They're doing the thing from the holiday special. No matter what it is, <laughs> it's always going to come back around. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, I mean, that series has done a great job of synthesizing a lot when the armored carrier that uh-huh. i had as a kid in the toy line came mm-hmm. in at the in the season one finale i almost oh, yeah. lost my mind <laughs> i i couldn't believe it i was like how did they they figured it out of course those have to be something they made it make sense yeah <laughs> that's exactly what it was like that's exactly what it would do you're telling me that the mandalorian was all about fan service a show that literally exists <laughs> because everyone went boba fett's cool how come you killed him after 10 minutes <laughs> that that kind of show would have fan service yeah, i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> so in thinking about the different elements of these that we have said are going to come into play earlier we mentioned uh the moments the iconic moments within them the feeling that those individual movies give us the execution of how well they did the certain things they were trying to do is one of these floating to the top i us? think that i wanted one of you said this earlier as well that like <laughs> You got to separate your feelings and the facts or whatever. Like, I I do think Mm -hmm. that Revenge of the Sith is the best one. I can admit that. But if you were to ask me which prequel do you want to watch right now, Mm -hmm. I'd probably say The Phantom Menace. I do think that's the one that I have the most fond memories of. It's Mm -hmm. it's more lighthearted for sure. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's the one you saw for the first time in a theater. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you had already seen the other ones, even though you got to see the special edition re-releases. Then you had all of a sudden different versions of them. And that's a whole interesting thing to get into, which we will not do right now. Discipline, pal. <laughs> you said you wouldn't do this. Do not do Hell, this. Not in front of our guests. You have, you have guests. <laughs> Watch yourself, Lublin. Um, <laughs> oh, no, he's goleming. You guys, he's goleming. <laughs> he went. I, can't, I wish I could. Never mind. Look, point. <laughs> the point is, yeah, that's. It's that is a very hard thing to topple. But mm. even from a design perspective, the way that Revenge of the Sith dovetails into New Hope, if you watch them back to back, it actually makes a New Hope better. A lot of the moments in it, it does enhance it. And the visuals, I think a lot of it comes from Bail Organa's ship. Like the interiors start to look a little bit more like the interiors you're gonna see later on and that mm-hmm. and you know that star wars that idea of used space a lot of this is old it's not brand new we got to see a lot more of those design elements start to creep in that were going to be kind of old and dingy by the time we got to new hope empire strikes back and return of the jedi plus the lightsaber fight has the highest stakes and probably carries more emotional weight than almost any other fight in all nine of the main films 
because yeah. you know what's coming. And it still feels like Anakin is fighting what he feels is standing in the way of him saving his family. And Obi-Wan is fighting for Anakin's soul. Mm-hmm. So it just the stakes couldn't be higher. And it's a really well done fight. And it makes sense why Vader loses. And yeah. just there's so much in it that it satisfies a very wide range of people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's not something to dismiss, given how polarizing a lot of the films are. And we'll get into that next week when we talk about the sequel trilogy, which maybe has the most polarizing of all of the Star Wars films in it. Mm-hmm. But this, I feel like everybody can come together and go, yeah, that is a great moment. And it mm-hmm. that, that entire fight plays out so well that it holds weight no matter which trilogy is your favorite. Yeah, especially if you had seen and like watched Clone Wars and you go back and watch all these movies again, knowing what happened in the Clone Wars and that fight with Obi-Wan and Anakin just hits you even harder. Like all of Obi-Wan's lines are just like, you were my brother. I loved you. It's like, uh, it's gut wrenching. Yeah. Yeah. It's the beautiful scene that they set up the whole, you know, this many movies in. I would argue that the bar they set for Revenge of the Sith was the highest one of the three movies. And I think they cleared it. I would also point out that kind of the opposite mm-hmm. of the Boba Fett thing. I mentioned in Attack of the Clones as like a mm-hmm. nerd that knew all of this background information. It was like, oh, my God, they fulfilled the promise from the Return of the Jedi novelization where it talked about how Anakin fell in a volcano. And that's why he was hurt. And I was like, yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> they did it. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Finally, do you just a question? Do you think that the, the the droid who delivers the twins seems like a very gentle medical droid? Do you think there's ever a time where a woman shows up for delivery and a two one B unit walks in? And they're like, oh god, oh god. those claws are gonna come! Like they they have the worst bedside manner of any of the medical droids, but it's the only one. Like, where's my normal? Where's the really gentle Eve looking? It's on robot? vacation. Like, oh, not available. We only have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what? 2-1-B is available. It just uh, clunks that's, in. That's a <laughs> croon. <laughs> the croon midwife oh droid is because I've done way too much <laughs> deep dive studying into the trivia of Star Wars. Yeah. Well, you got to win that game. Booba. Yeah. <laughs> I want to. I, I want a doctor that that says that to me, whether or not I'm giving birth. <laughs> you don't want to hear. It's a boy. <laughs> picking it up by the ankle picking up your child and throwing it onto a bed there's another one hold on well it sounds like we have our answer are we all in agreement on uh, which of the three movies of the prequel trilogy the movie that stands uh, if not miles at least slightly above the other two it's one of those where I'm like yeah I'll I'll allow people to say that revenge of the sith is the best one i i would prefer phantom menace but like yeah i I get it yeah i think if we're talking about which movie is technically the better movie Mm -hmm. revenge of the sith holds that definitely this this isn't Uh, ruining 12 year old you guys no (laughs) but entertainment value and just purely for the fun of it phantom menace Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I will say for all the trilogies, I, I tend to go with, you know, the one that is just the most fun to watch. Star Wars has a lot to say about a lot of different things, but 
I tend to usually mm-hmm. just want sometimes just a, a fun time at the theaters. Mm-hmm. So then we've eliminated the second one. Then that becomes the question now. Because do we want it to be, are we looking objectively, cinematically like film critics? Or are we looking at it like 12-year-olds going to see the movies, in air quotes? I think it's tough to separate. Mm -hmm. And there are people for whom Mm -hmm. Revenge of the Sith, they were 12 when that came out. Maybe that's the first one that they saw, or they were even a little bit younger. And so... Whichever no, that one was that see. one weird year <laughs> where no one had a baby. Oh, we're ne- yeah. oh that's right. Yeah. You were that a baby? You remember that? Oh, 1993? Forgot. <laughs> forgot. My bad. But that was the first theatrically watched film for some generation of people. And whichever one you see in the theater first is generally going to be the one you think is the best or the one you are the most attached to. And it's hard to get over that attachment. Yeah. It's not something you need to get over or should even want to get over. That is something to hold precious and enjoy. I think that there's a separate conversation of can you look at it and technically say it is the best, knowing that everybody's going to have an attachment to Mm -hmm. a different film or everybody can have an attachment to a different film. And I think that's where we have to have our decision come in. It's going to be guided by emotion to a certain extent, but we also have to let go of our feelings. Let go. I think that Revenge of the Sith probably strikes the best balance between, yeah, fun also having something to say. Also, I think it mm-hmm. says what it wants to the most clearly. Whereas I admit that I have yes. to kind of do some mental gymnastics to be like, okay, here's what like this means. I, I I do think like, yes, this was George's intent. Did he say it in a way that a 12 year old would get? Not so much. But uh, as an adult, I understand it. So mm-hmm. I think that Revenge of the Sith is the most uh, coherent in the way that it presents its themes. And is also still very fun. Yes. And also, I will say that the Star Wars Explained channel does a fantastic job for those of you who get confused or want to understand not only the plots of the movies, but expanded moments that go into other parts of the canon. You do that in many ways, even better than George Lucas. Don't tell him. I'm not putting you in a feud. There's no beef here. <laughs> what are you guys talking about? I would no, like nothing, to point George. out, Mark, yeah, <laughs> the, the flannel. By the way, the... you're wearing... <laughs> it's wearing a George Lucas shirt. <laughs> I am wearing, I'm wearing a red and black flannel and have trimmed my graying beard into George Lucas shape. Except I, except I don't have the like the straight line across your neck version of the Lucas beard yet. I'm working on it. You are. I did, I did cosplay today. You are writing a movie on a bunch of legal pads, right? I am exactly. Okay. Good. And nobody wants to use my dialogue. Come on, guys! I wrote this dialogue. It's really good. Do it fast. <laughs> All right, people of the world. Have you ever heard the story of Revenge of the Sith? <laughs> the third entry into the prequel trilogy, which has its ups and downs like every film trilogy does, encapsulates the fun and parts of the spirit of what will come in the original trilogy that follows while still wrapping up some of the even more confusing parts of episodes one and two. And for that reason, it is the best of the prequel films. So you don't have to have these arguments anymore. We settled it. Yeah. You're Argue welcome. about something else, like which of the sequel films, seven, eight, nine. You know what? In fact, hey, would you guys uh, want to come back and uh, talk about the uh, the sequel films, episode seven, eight, nine with us? Sure. Oh, yeah. Great. We'll talk about that later. Great. But for <laughs> now, <laughs> it's Revenge of the Sith asked and answered. Alex and Molly Damon. Star Wars Explained is such a delight. 
as a channel, not only for all the things it explains, but it is a joy to watch the two of you on your live streams together. We tell everybody all the places to go and all the things that they should see to get fully indoctrinated oh, into the world of Star Wars Explained. Uh, you can find us both on Twitter at Star Wars Explained, and I am at Molly Damon. Our YouTube channel is at Star Wars Explained, and we also have a lovely lovely patreon and alex uh, you can yeah go we into just the offer kind of a chance to ask us questions and get like a definite answer if something's just eaten at you we also have twitch channels we've been doing a show called explain it to me on our twitch where we're having people who were experts in other fandoms come in and explain things to us because uh we are big old nerds but we are not on the level of that for like the mcu or the snyder cut or godzilla for mm. example so we've been having friends come on and just like explain to us what's so great about these things and why you love them awesome love it well thank you so much for coming here and joining us today you will be back again in our next round but for now this topic is closed there are many more to discuss so please reach out to us on twitter at we got this tweets or email us at we got this podcast at gmail.com or go to our facebook group talk about the those prequels people it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash we got this podcast thank you to producer ken plume researcher kate mcmanus graphic designer uri kelman and qa engineer jen alba and thanks of course to our musicians jonathan dinerstein and mike Furman for our score and theme song respectively and thanks to you the people of the world for giving us a chance to sit down with legit experts to settle your big questions as they do so well in their inimitable expert style May the force be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Agliardi. For Mark Agliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. And don't worry, everybody. We We got got this. this. We got this. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.